Hey, listeners, if you like hearing us talk sports and making fun of each other, please like and subscribe. And if you want more from us, please follow us on Instagram, What's on Tap One, and on Twitter at What's on Tap Pod One. And don't forget to rate five stars. Hiya! It's all right. Shout out NASCAR just ended too. Shout out Ryan Blaney winning the championship. My second driver. Yeah, whoever that is. I got Dave into hockey. Next, I'm working on uh, working on NASCAR. We'll bring up to Loudon one day. <laughs> you have to experience it in person. You didn't get me into hockey. It's in my blood. And if there's anyone who got me into hockey, it's Penelope. Shout out Penelope. Well, I'm sure Lauren would love to hear. There's another woman well, in the mix. First, first of all, here's <laughs> why I- Here's why I don't think you're really into hockey, because if you were into hockey, your favorite player would be David Pasternak. Not only does he share your first name, but half of his last name is Pasta, and you claim to be Italian, and you're not even a Bruins fan, so that's how I know you're wrong. Something tells me Pasternak is not Italian. Just a (laughs) feeling. So uh, we have a couple things for you guys tonight. Um, So we're going to talk about the World Series, break it down. We're going to talk about some NFL stuff, but before we do that, uh, Matthew told us that he's got a little surprise for us. So I'm going to kick it to him. Matt, what do you got for us? Okay. So there's two things. First off, Dave, you just found your NBA team and Naveen likes the Celtics. Can you guys explain to me what this midseason tournament is and what the heck's going on with the court colors? Because I have no idea. Like, so, what, so what is this? So, so, I mean, it's just like, I think like there's a championship in, in Vegas or something about it. And like they, they designed this court all, all weird and wrong and all this stuff. It looks kind of cool, kind of weird. Like I saw the Bulls one where it was like all red. Yeah, um, it's not even like hard. Like it's not like your typical like hardwood flooring. It's all painted. It looked right. And, and so um, I actually saw this interview with, that they did with Damian Lillard. And so, and I think that they, they won the game, whoever they were playing against. And they're just like, so Dame, like, how do you feel about this tournament? And everyone's just like, bro, nobody knows what is going on. Nobody cares about this tournament. Like, we're just, we're just here out to play ball and we're just trying to win as many games as we can. So, and that was his take on that. And so with that being said, I think I'm, I'm team Dame when it comes to this opinion. I have no freaking clue. Okay. It's the NBA's attempt to generate interest in the regular season because the NBA has an issue of no one cares until the playoffs. And so they're trying to generate hype. This in-season tournament, basically, they're going to be playing their tournament games Tuesdays and Fridays. And uh, there's they set up different divisions. And if you win your division, you're going to make like the playoffs. Like Naveen said, it's going to be in Vegas. And the winner doesn't – you get paid. Like the players get paid, but there's no advantage – other than just a regular W on your uh, on your standings for the regular season, it's just to generate hype. And uh, I, I'm in the same camp as you guys. It's it's pretty crazy, especially because the season just started two weeks ago, and now they're already doing in, like a mid season tournament. It's just weird. Is it um, is it to help like people not do load management? Because didn't Jimmy Butler sit out like the second game of the year, quote unquote, because of load management? Is that like? So you don't sit your superstar like I, I, so I don't I don't think that is the case because I mean every every game is one eighty second of 
of you're, of the yeah. season, right? So it's yeah. like, you know, you know, if 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 say I'm whatever I'm the Celtics and I win this tournament, and 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 Dave is the Thunder, like it doesn't really do anything for me as far as my team is concerned. If if the Celtics win or something, so so the point is strictly just to generate interest for the regular season. There's no playoff implication, no nothing like that. No, what they should do is they should make the winner give them an automatic playoff bid, honestly, but that's yeah. not how they set it up. Is it I heard that each player gets half a mil? Is that Did you guys hear that? That sounds about right. I heard that today on uh, uh Barstool podcast, which to the superstars is a drop in the bucket, but to like, you know, the last guy on the bench, that means something to them, but they're also the last guy on the bench. How much are they going to really be playing? So that's uh, it, it seems pretty lame to me, but I just wanted your guys' opinion to see if you guys knew any more than I did. It sounds like you do a little bit, but yeah, not not crazy. So um, I, I think as far as load management is concerned, it's a big problem for the NBA because, look, if, if your best players don't want to play and they're incentivized not to play, because for them, you know, it's about getting paid and it's about rings. That's rings culture. Their legacies are going to be determined by how many rings they win. And so they're saying, if it's going to benefit me in the long run, I'm going to sit, but that's not, that's not how you play the sport. They got to figure something out. It's, yeah. it's going to be a mess. You're paid millions and millions of dollars. Tickets are so expensive. People take their family to that game and like LeBron sitting or Kawhi or, you know, one of the major superstars in the league is, is taking a night off. You spend all that money to go see them and they're not playing. So yeah, that's crazy. My second point, we had a kind of discussion in our group text that I didn't participate in too much. And that is about the whole Caleb Williams thing. Do you guys want to dish that out on the air? Give your opinions about, you know, what's going on? Like with the crying and all that? Yeah. <laughs> Naveen, you want to go first? Sure. sure. So, so there was this. Um... So, okay. So USC was, was playing Washington. And I believe at the time USC was 20 and, and Washington was five. And so, um, and, and the game was at, at USC. Washington the rankings were 20 and five. The rankings of the team, 20 and five. Right. Um, and so Washington came in and they ended up winning. It was, it was a high scoring game. It was like 50 something to 40 something. Cool, whatever. And then, so there was this, this real, um, and it said like, you know, Caleb Williams sharing, sharing a moment um, with, with his family. And so you can see him kind of like, kind of like Lambo leap into, into the, the stands. And, and so he, he's next to his mom and his mom's hugging him and, and he's crying. And so she has like, um, like a newspaper or something and it's covering his face, but he's, but he's crying um, in general. And so I, I, I made the comment that, I mean, I think that, you know, w- with, with those actions, I believe that, you know, he kind of has like the makings of, of an overhyped bust. Um, you know, Ryan Leaf was, was one of the guys that, um, that I talked about in, in our, in our previous discussion, um, where it's just like, you know, this kid was kind of giving the world like all the hype and all this this stuff. And then he loses his third, third college game. And then he goes in and cries about it. Whereas, and then I made the comparison to, you know, the, the, the guys that, that we kind of grew up with, with, with Tom and Peyton and Drew, like when those guys lost, like they weren't crying. 
about it. Like they, they kind of just shut up and they just went back to work. Um, and that's, you know, that's, I guess, today's culture with, with the, with the hype machine being in, in these guys' corner. And I don't know. I think, I think you're being a little harsh on him. He's 20 years old or somewhere around there. And he's a, he's a kid. He's a freshman, right? No, he's a junior. No, uh, no. And for, for those of those, uh, for those of you who don't know who Caleb Williams is, He's projected to be the number one pick in the NFL draft, top-rated quarterback. Uh, he He's, I wouldn't say on the level of maybe the Trevor Lawrence hype, the Andrew Luck type of hype, but he's right behind them in, in terms of the hype. So for those of you that don't know, he also went to Oklahoma for a couple years. Uh, then his coach was kind of a, uh, I'm trying to keep this PG, kind of a softy because Oklahoma is now going to the SEC where they actually play defense instead of the Big 12. Left Oklahoma, went to USC. Caleb Williams followed him this year. And Lincoln Riley's whole thing is he produces great offenses, great quarterbacks, uh, but he lacks defense. He has his buddy who's the defensive coordinator, and he cannot put a good defense on the field. He's coached Jalen Hurts, Baker Mayfield, uh, Spencer Rattler, who's now at uh, South Carolina, and Kyler Murray. Uh, there's a couple others, but he's he's known to get your quarterback to produce great numbers and become Heisman Trophy winners, which Caleb Williams won last year. So a little background on Caleb Williams for those who don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's 20 years old. He's allowed to make mistakes. Brady and Manning, you talked about. I mean, they were professionals at that point. He's gonna he's gonna mature as time goes on, and you know you can look at it the other way and say him crying shows that he cares. Like I could think of other athletes, and maybe not in the NFL, but in other sports who've cried when they've lost, and they're superstars of their sport. So I think that it is fair that leadership leadership is really important for a quarterback in intangibles, and it remains to be seen whether he has those. We'll see when he gets to the next level. His talent is there. Um, we'll see if he can have the necessary leadership qualities to lead a team. But I'm not ready to write him off as you know, as a non-number one pick or as a bust before we've even seen him in the NFL. Yeah, I'm not either. But the optics of what he did were terrible. Uh, there have been guys like Max Duggan cried at the, when. He lost the Big 12 championship last year. And actually, uh, Caleb Williams trolled him online, did like, you know, LOL or whatever. Um, so he cried and he got he made the uh, national championship with TCU last year as their quarterback. And the thing I thought about with athletes crying goes back to Tim Tebow when they lost uh, to Ole Miss. But that was in a press conference. And his whole thing was no one will push the team harder. No one's you will never see. Uh, I will be the hardest working player in the country where Caleb Williams is on the field, fully dressed in gear. Lambo leaps into the stands. Like Naveen said, goes to his mom. And if you watch the video, he's like visibly like sobbing. His body is shaking. So the optics are terrible. And this is also a guy who wants equity in the NFL team that drafts him, which is crazy to me. So, so real quick. So, I mean, look, I, I mean, look, they, the kid is gifted, but, you know, physically he's got all, all the intangibles as far as like, you know, going out and, and, and doing the things like a quarterback. But I think that the mental side 
is just going to get to him so quick. I mean, and, and a lot of the hype machine behind him isn't his fault. I mean, look, the kid put in his work, you know, in, in high school to be, you know, a, a touted prospect. Now he's like you know, the number one quarterback in college. But he's but a Heisman as you, Trophy winner. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. He's a great right. And and as you go through these stages, like everything gets, you know, you know, harder and harder. Like they're miles apart. Like high school from to college to to the pros are all miles apart from each other. And I think that, you know, when, you know, I think sp- specifically quarterbacks, um, you know, ha- have have a really big drop off when it comes comes to being a good college quarterback and then being a pro. Like. I mean, there's are there are a ton of ton of Heisman quarterbacks that kind of just flake out in the pros and and like you know Peyton Manning, you know your guy Dave, he he was the number one pick out of out of Tennessee. Like there there was none of this men- mental side that Peyton Manning showed, and he ended up being a, a good quarterback in in the NFL with with a long career. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting uh, to see how he matures, how he progresses. Um, he'll still be the number one pick. Uh, there's going to be a lot of bloviating about it come draft season, but he'll be I, the first pick. Yeah, I think it'll be overhyped to an extent, but it's it's. I wouldn't say it's a red flag, but it's something to look at. I would say it's it. I think people will make it more th- out uh, than it's than it actually is. Um, but yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens. I agree. He's he's still probably going to go number one. And we had a, a sport wrap up uh, since we last recorded a sport. We all love baseball. The World Series ended. Um, I I think it ended a little uh, undramatically after game one. I thought this is going to be a great series and it went five games. Um, I I feel like it would have been a better series if the Phillies were in there, but I I don't want to disrespect the Diamondbacks, but we have the Rangers, our new MLB champions. Guys, what were your thoughts and analysis of the series? Yeah. So, I mean, so I was, I was with you as well. I mean, I, I mean, after, after game one, when, when Texas came back to win that game, I'm like, Oh wow. Like, you know, you're down two. I think it was two runs in the ninth. Um, And then I think Seager, you know, just, you know, came alive and, and, and essentially put the Rangers on his back. Um, but you know, yeah, I mean, I really thought it was going to be more interesting. I, I didn't think it was going to go seven. I thought it was going to go six. Um, I thought the Diamondbacks were going to get, we're going to get one more win, um, at least. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think that that game one kind of, I don't think it took the air out of them. Um, but, I mean, I think the series would have been different if if the Diamondbacks had won that game. I agree. Uh, losing on a walk-off is tough. I think the walk-off home run is the most exciting thing in all of sports. But regardless, I picked Arizona in seven. I knew Texas is the more talented team uh, for sure. But I, I just want the most talented team doesn't always win in the MLB. So... I wanted to roll with the more fun team, which I think was the Diamondbacks. Uh, and the biggest thing I thought the Diamondbacks had an edge over the the Rangers was their bullpen. Uh, and that did not happen. Paul Seawald completely crumbled who they traded for at the trade deadline from the Mariners. And he was nails pretty much all year. And he failed. And Miguel uh, Castro, I believe, gave up the walk-off to uh, Garcia in game game one. And the, the bullpen just 
did not hold up for them. They, I did not like their pitching decisions that they, they made. But, I mean, you have Bruce Bochy on your bench, too, for the Rangers, who's won now four World Series, three with the, uh, uh, not Dodgers, uh, Giants, and now one with the Rangers. And he was a factor. I think he managed that very, very well. And Max Scherzer pitched better, and the whole uh, Texas Rangers starting uh, pitching staff pitched better. And Corey Seager is unbelievable in the playoffs. He is nails, and he definitely deserves the MVP, in my opinion. Your breakdown of the bullpens was actually my first reaction, too. Coming in, you know, like you said, we assumed the D-backs were going to have the superior bullpen. I felt like they were outplayed, especially in the key games, games one and five. Uh, the opening game and the closeout game. And then you look at stars of both teams, the Rangers stars outplayed the Diamondback stars, at least as far as their hitters. You know, guys, obviously you talked about Seager, but Garcia played well before his injury. Uh, Semyon played pretty well as well. Um, but Carroll and Marte didn't have great series. Uh, neither one had a home run. I think they're between the two of them, they had like two extra base hits. Um, so, you know, obviously your best players have to step up to win. And oddly enough, the strongest part of the D-backs in that series was their starting pitching, which I thought was the Rangers strength going in. So everything was kind of reversed, but I think the better team won. I thought the Rangers were the best team. I thought they deserved it. This is their first world series, I believe. So, uh, we can take them off the tortured franchise rankings for now. Um, and congrats to them. Any other thoughts before we move to football, NFL? Who do you think's the favorite? I'm going to look it up right now. Who do you think's the favorite for next year's World Series? Uh, the Braves. Braves? Braves. Braves, okay. That'll, it'll move when Otani when Otani chooses where he wants to go. But Oh, Naveen, you, do you still think he's going to the Red Sox? Because I saw something that he had the... Uh, I think it was the Giants, Dodgers, and Rangers as his. Uh, I saw three Padres. Places. I saw Giants. I saw Dodgers was one. Um, Giants was two. Padres was three. Um, but I did see an intriguing argument about why he would be in Boston, and that is because they have. So he signed uh, a deal with New Balance. And the like, the New Balance headquarters is in Boston, and so like that's why um, they're saying like that's why they they would Boston would make make a move, and they could see him being in Boston. Okay, yeah, he because he is in those New Balance commercials. Uh, yeah, Braves are plus seven hundred, Dodgers are seven fifty, Houston nine hundred, and Texas nine hundred. Those are the top four to win the World Series next year. Yeah, so I mean, so Otani's. Very interesting. I mean, so one of the things that he said he wanted to do, like before he came in, so before, so when he was in Japan, um, and he came over, the the thing that his criteria for picking a team was, he wanted it to be a team, like on on the West Coast. He's just like, I want to be able to be, be be like, Japan's literally right there, and so he he took the Angels, um, I guess not knowing, like I guess like. Their history of like how good like you know the Padres were when when he came over the Dodgers when he came over, um, and and stuff like that. But that was like his only criteria. But now well, that he's within the league, 
With the Angels, though, they have Trout, and then they signed Rendon. So you thought their future would have been a little bit brighter than it's been. It's been pretty bleak. But I would love to see him go to Seattle. I would love to see that. But he's also, he can't pitch next year. He's just going to be a $40 million DH. Right, but he'll, I mean, he's, I think he's 30. I think he's 30 next year or this or now. Yeah, he's um, still I, relatively young, and he's right, he but, led the league in home runs. But but they're but they're saying it's going to be like, you know, half a billion dollars. So, um, which is crazy. Yeah. So let's move to the NFL. We are exactly halfway through the season, um, so we now have a good indicator, at least for now. Obviously, things can change quickly. Of you know, who are the best players, who are the teams to watch out for, and so we decided we do some mid-season awards and not necessarily just the standard like MVP type awards, but we kind of made our own. So we're going to go through that. And if you guys don't mind, I'll start with one. Um, I call this the X factor award. And I look at this as the player who has had um, the biggest opportunity to provide a boom to their team. Um, I I try to stray away from quarterbacks. Um, I actually went with Debo Samuel and here's the reasoning. So they have played three games with Debo injured. The 49ers have played three games with Debo injured and five with him healthy. In the five games he's healthy, they are 5-0, and and they're averaging 33.4 points per game. In the three games he is has been hurt, they are 0-3, and they're averaging 17 points per game. That is a stark, stark contrast for one player to be out. The question is why. Uh, we can talk about why, but... What do you guys think about um, the San Francisco 49ers offense this year? Yeah, they I had them making the Super Bowl, and it looked great until Debo got hurt. Uh, they lost to the Browns, who have an incredible defense, especially when they're at home. And that was a very sloppy game. I Who else did they lose uh, to off the top? I don't remember off the top of my head. They lost to the Bengals. Uh, loss. And then I, I can't remember the other two. Oh, oh the... The Browns, I think. I, I said the Browns. Yeah, yeah, you said, oh, the you said Browns. Browns. Yeah. Because it was after they beat the Cowboys. Like, they killed the Cowboys when they were both, like, I guess undefeated or something. And then they had, like, three losses straight. The Vikings. They lost to the Vikings. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, pre, yeah. pre-Cousins getting hurt. Yep. Yeah. I, I, It's hard to argue with that, for sure. Uh, so, that's Debo's – yeah. That's why it kind of scares me moving forward with the 49ers – I mean, you have one player get uh, get injured, and you. I mean, granted, the Bengals are on the up and up, and the Browns, like I said, have a very good defense. But to have that point differential drop from uh, mid thirties to seventeen is crazy. So, so to go to stay on the on the on the same award, um, you said biggest X factor. That was my award. Yeah, X factor. Yeah. Yeah, so so my biggest X factor was actually C.J. Stroud. Um, I mean, he, yeah, I mean, I know last week was was crazy, but you know, I I really just I didn't think that the Texans were were going to be sitting at. I think they're four and four. Um, you know, at, at this point in the season, I thought that they were going to be still the the bottom of of, of that division. I had uh, the Texans and last and then I had the Colts above them and then I had the Jags and I had the Titans winning and you know the Titans kind of crapped the bed because they're in last place but um 
No, CJ Stroud. I mean, he's he's the real deal. The uh, Texans definitely hit on him. It's a good it's a good choice for the award because when you look at the players around him, I mean, you have Nico Collins, Tank Dell, Dalton Schultz. They're not household names. They're not superstars. And the fact that a rookie is coming in and for a team that has had no expectations going into the season, he's only thrown one interception all year. That comeback was incredible. Um, he's certainly exceeding expectations for the team. I don't know if they're – I know they're in the playoff hunt now. I don't think they're going to make it this year, but definitely a team to watch in the future for sure. And I have one more thought on on Debo. Um, you know, my thought on why he might be such a, a big part of their offense is because he's so versatile. You think about – you know, he might be the most versatile player in the league other than maybe Taysom Hill in New Orleans. He's a big physical receiver but he also runs the ball on sweeps and he's a good run blocker. So I think that if he's healthy with Ayuk, McCaffrey and Kittle, they're good. But if one of them gets hurt, especially him, it's the trains going off the tracks, but yeah, Stroud is definitely a good contender for the award too. Yeah. He's the most versatile with the most impact because Taysom can throw the ball too, but yes, he's the most versatile with the most impact. That's for sure. Uh, do, does someone else want to throw out another award? Um, so, so I did, so it's, it's kind of close, but, uh, most dangerous player. Um, and so I, I had two of them for this one. Um, most dangerous player, uh, is, is Tyreek Hill. Um, I mean, he's, he's had an incredible year. I mean, I didn't think the, the Dolphins would, would be doing this great. Um, I mean, I think he is, he has changed a lot, um, for that team. I mean, he's, I mean, he, he commands double coverage, um, opens up, um, you know, the, the field for guys like Waddle and Waddle isn't, isn't a bum either. You know, he's a Bama guy who, who is also really good. I mean, he would be a number one on a lot of other teams. Right. Um, and so, I mean, he's, he's elusive, he's fast. I mean, it's like, you know, you try to press coverage, he'll go right by you. And then he's with the safety one-on-one and that's a mismatch. So it's like, how do you cover the guy? Um, and then my second one, uh, most dangerous player, um, is, is a quarterback is, is, is Patrick Mahomes. Um, I mean, again, I mean, he, he, he flicks his wrist and and the ball's going 80 yards. Um, and then he can also move, he can scramble. Um, and so like, I mean, and he's kind of showing that like, you know, the, the chiefs are winning a lot this year. Right. And so, and he still has Kelsey, but like he lost Tyreek Hill. Um, you know, his, his wide receivers this year, I think aren't necessarily as good as, as previous years, but he's still proving to be as, as dangerous as, as he has been. Yeah, I think those, those are good. And by the way, just so the audience knows, we don't know the uh, categories we came up with beforehand. So, but when you said, you know, most dangerous player, I immediately thought Tyreek, he's a good choice. Uh, some other guys that just off top of my head, I'm thinking about like one man offenses at quarterback. Josh Allen and Lamar, Lamar Jackson, just because they're a threat through the air and with their legs, they can win games by themselves and they're both having good seasons. So, but I think Tyreek, if that was the first one that popped in my head, just cause he's so explosive, he's so fast. He's such a game breaker, best wide receiver in the league to me for sure this year. So my next award is called the snooze award, which for me is the most boring team. And I I thought of a couple teams. One of them is your Patriots, but that's not who I picked. I picked the New York football giants 
Uh, gentlemen, what do you get when you cross an underperforming defense with a disappointing coaching job and the worst quarterback situation in the league? You get the New York Giants. Um, they're an absolute mess. They're a quarterback that they just paid, what was it, two uh, uh, two hundred forty million, two hundred sixty million to towards ACL. By the way, they didn't have to pay him; they gave him an extension on his rookie contract. He just tore his ACL. Um, their backup is injured, and so now they're starting Italian American legend Tommy DeVito. It hurts okay. my heart to criticize him, but he's not an NFL quarterback. Even Saquon Barkley can't fix this mess of a team. And I have Sunday ticket. I'm not going to be watching 10 seconds of a Giants game this year. I'm I'm not watching them at all anymore this year. They're a mess. Yeah, I would stick far away from the Giants watching because that is very boring. And I had Daniel Jones in my fantasy league because he performed well last year. He was able to move, make, uh, make some plays with his legs. And he has not been good when he is on the field. And he hasn't been on the field anymore. So... Yeah, it's, it's a tough situation. I would, yeah, the Giants are a boring team, and we live right in Giants country. We know some Giants fans, and they're going through it once again. Well, so, I mean, I while I agree with you, and, and something that makes it even worse for the Giants is the fact that, you know, they, they were a playoff team last year. Um, I mean, if I were to have a, a, a snooze award, I mean, it might be it, it might be the Panthers, just because, I mean, I mean, for me, I, 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 in the beginning of the year, I had them as, as winning the division and again, just like the Titans, they are last. Um, and so like, you know, the, my, I guess my hopes for Bryce Young were, were kind of what CJ Stroud's, uh, what CJ Stroud is actually doing for, for the Texans. I mean, I thought, you know, they have, you know, the, the freshest quarterback, um, coming into the season, um, you know, kind of year two and it's, and it's like, Okay, like now he he understands like what pro football is about, and um, I guess that wasn't the case for the Panthers this year. So um, that would kind of be my my snooze award. Yeah, but at least the uh, Panthers have some hope. You have a young quarterback. The Giants are in no man's land right now. Uh, I have an award. This is going to be the flash in the pan slash revert back to your old ways award, and that would be Geno Smith. Granted, the Seahawks are not bad, but as far as Geno goes, he's going to throw for way less yards this year. He's at 1,800, and he's got nine touchdowns halfway through the year with seven interceptions. He had a great year last year where he threw for 4,200 yards and 30 touchdowns. He threw for double-digit interceptions, but it was 11, nothing crazy, but he, he was really really good last year this year he's in my opinion going back to the geno smith with the jets days so that that would be my award for the player that had a breakout year the year before and it's going straight back to where you know they came from in previous years so so last year with with geno smith they were talking about how you know he, he kind of reinvented himself with with seattle and how seattle in the west kind of came out of nowhere because like i mean they had you know, they have the Niners and they have the Rams and then Seattle was kind of like that third team. Um, and so I kind of thought that they were, I mean, they're actually, they're, they're tied with, with the Niners right now um, for first place in, in, in the West, um, which is kind of crazy to think about, but yeah. Um, I think my flash in the pan 
would would be uh, Derrick Henry. You know, historically, this guy has been amazing. No, 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 no. Yeah, Flash that's not the definition of flash in a pan. He's been no, awesome his whole career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, I don't know. Then I mean, he's just having a down year. Then I, I mean, he's old. I, For I running backs, yes, but he's still he still a monster that should should be a lot better. But I mean, he went down and so did the whole Titans. So that, that's all I gotta say about that. I he's guess. like their whole offense. He's been their whole offense for a long time. Gino is definitely a good choice because that team's good. It's kind of sad that he hasn't been playing well because the defense is much better and there's a lot of weapons on offense. I guess Daniel Jones. We already talked about him. Could be a candidate for that because he was good last year, but injury prone and, and not good when he's healthy this year. So, but yeah. Gino, I think would, would be a good candidate for that for sure. Um, my next one is called the casual fan award, which is the most interesting off the field storyline. And it will not be Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey because they're both way overexposed now. Um, I know most people would say that, but it's too much at this point. Uh, I'm picking and this is going to be my opportunity to roast this person that I haven't gotten to do at all. Josh McDaniels. So <laughs> just a little, <laughs> just a little backstory for the audience. So Josh McDaniels, the team, his team, the Raiders is not performing well. They're not responding to him. He sets up a team meeting, an open air meeting so that the players can air their grievances. And basically the players use it as an opportunity to roast him, just him. And so now Josh McDaniels, feeling very defensive and upset that he set this up, goes to his assistant coach, Antonio Pierce, and says, hey, help me out. So Antonio Pierce gets up and says, look, guys, we have to band together. You know, when I was on the Giants, we beat the Patriots in the Super Bowls because we stuck together. And Josh McDaniels, instead of saying, hey, thanks for helping me out, looks at his, at his assistant coach and says, don't ever talk about the Patriots like that. The guy's a total embarrassment. And the next day he gets fired, which he deserves. The reason why I'm saying screw you, Josh McDaniels, is because he accepted the Colts job a few years ago and then backed out at the 11th hour. And thank God we didn't hire you. You suck as a coach. Your players hate you. And I'm glad that you got fired. I hope you're listening. Screw you, Josh McDaniels. So so funny story about Josh McDaniels and, and how he and one of the things that um, ended up to him getting fired was it was it was Halloween. Like, I don't know two days before or something like that. And Josh McDaniels went as the owner, Mark Davis to like the Raiders, like Halloween Jeez. party or something. And so, and so like, like there was like this, like where I think he would like walk up to like Mark Davis and was like, bro, you're fired or something. <laughs> and then that was that. And then Wait, it happened at the Halloween party or, or something like that. Yeah. That's was, even funnier. <laughs> I, I think that's how it went, but yeah, don't quote me on that. But it, there was something about him dressing up as as the owner of of the Raiders. Yep, too bad. We, He's we never going to get a head coaching job again. Yeah, I think we all had that in our preseason predictions. He was going to get canned. Naveen, you have another award. So yeah, I have I have, I have a couple that I I had just seen, I guess out out in the media, um, and I actually miss misread misread one of the ones that you did was big, biggest off-season storyline and I read it as biggest off-field storyline and and that's where I picked Taylor Swift Travis Travis Kelsey um so oh you had the same you had the same award as me in your prep um well yeah it was for big 
well, so I misread biggest off season and I thought it was off field. Um, oh, okay. So I don't have a biggest off season one. Um, and then I have, so then a couple of them that I saw like out, like on reels, but comeback player of the year um, is Brittany Mahomes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously a joke. And then, and then another one is People Magazine Sexiest Man, Man Alive, Jason mm. Kelsey. Um, I thought I thought those were great. Um, and then I yeah, just, Matt's got a little bit of a Jason Kelsey beard going on. Matt, they should uh, film you at Time Magazine. Jason Kelsey just got awarded Sexiest yeah. Man. Yeah, before I went to the wedding, it was a little bit more bushy. I had to trim it up a little bit, but yeah, yeah, I could see it. And and then and then I just had I didn't do my um, offensive player year or defensive player year, but my MVP candidate is is still very strong in 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 Lamar Jackson. Yeah, he, I would. Yeah, I would yeah, go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I was just saying he's he's definitely one, and then Hertz is another one that jumps out. But did you know that Mahomes is still the betting favorite in Vegas to win the MVP? Which I don't I don't think he's the MVP. I would think it's Hertz or. Lamar, because the quarterbacks, there's no quarterback that's having a great season right now. So it might be a year where it just goes to the quarterback that has, you know, the best record. The way so, the, the way it is on DraftKings right now is Lamar, Hurts, and Mahomes are all, uh, 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 th- whatever, three and a half to one, plus three fifty. So they're all uh, together. But yeah, he he, he is the betting favorite. And, you know, he's up there. I, I don't think he's played up to his obviously potential and what we've seen in the past couple of years, but that has a lot to do with the whole offense around him outside of just Kelsey. But I still, it's crazy because it might be too late for Joe to make a run at it, but he's been very, very good the past uh, probably three, four weeks now being healthy. And the thing with Lamar is his health. So if Lamar can finish off the season strong, he's got a good good shot at winning MVP. But I mean, Joe Burrow is plus seven hundred. He's he's the the fifth favorite right now behind Tua. So I think he'd have to win the division, though. I think it's a, one of those years where there's not going to be one quarterback. I like Tua probably has the most eye popping stats, but he's not going to win it. I think it's just going to go to the team with either the best or the second best record, and who's the quarterback of that team. The quarterbacks are really down this year. We got to have that conversation at some point, but uh, it's not going to go to a non-quarterback. It never does. Yeah, yeah, it's a quarterback. Quarterback. I mean, the only thing that I have against Tua is is the fact that you know they they haven't beaten anyone with like a winning record. I mean, they I think they have like five wins against teams with losing records, and then every time that they're in the spotlight, they they kind of crumble. So, um, I mean, that that would go as as a knock against Tua. Um, you know, versus, you know, Patrick, Lamar, uh, Joe. Yeah. But that reminds me if just a piece of betting advice to the audience, if you, if you do bet, uh, anytime the Dolphins play a bad team, bet them. And anytime they play a good team, bet against them. You'll be a rich person by the end of the season. Um, I have the Nathaniel Hackett award for most incompetent head coach. I went with Arthur Smith. I wanted to, to have a diatribe against this guy for a while. And I'm biased because I drafted B. John Robinson this year in fantasy and I drafted Kyle Pitts last year. So let, let me, let me explain why I'm so angry with Arthur Smith in 2021. He drafted Kyle Pitts tight end with the number four overall pick 
2022, he drafted Drake London, wide receiver, with the number eight overall pick. These are first-rounders. Last year, or this year, he drafted Bijan Robinson with the number eight overall pick. Three first-round picks. And yet, for some reason, this man refuses to give the ball to his best players. The players that he drafted in the first round of the draft. Kyle Pitts has less receptions this year than Johnny Smith, the other tight end on the team. Bijan Robinson has gotten one carry all year within the five-yard line. Tyler Algier has more carries than Bijan Robinson. And by the way, he's not playing better than Bijan Robinson. Bijan Robinson is averaging five yards a carry. Tyler Algier is averaging 3.2 yards a carry. And so for some reason, this idiotic coach decides to give the ball to the worst player. And I, I, I don't know if you guys have been following this, but it is so ridiculous he needs to be fired. He needs to be fired. I Yeah, you can't blame him all for the, the draft picks because that's a whole front office scouting department, all that kind of stuff. But the way he uses the draft picks that he's given definitely is an indictment on him. That's terrible. You also have to look at who they have at quarterback and how they haven't filled that role. I mean, that's the most important role on a team. And you've drafted a bunch of offensive talent in the first round. And you have Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke as your quarterbacks. Like, what are you doing with that? I mean, the Desmond Ritter, in my opinion, is not an NFL quarterback. Taylor Heineke's okay, but he's not. He's not winning you a playoff game. He might. I, he's not winning you the division in a not great division. So, yes, I, I do think a lot of the blame falls at his feet. That's for sure. But the quarterback thing. That's his fault, too, partially, because he it took him eight weeks to bench Desmond Ritter. And like you said, Heineke's okay. He can come in and, and perform. Like, could he do some Josh Dobbs stuff? Yeah, he can. Um, he's better than Ritter. It took Arthur Smith eight weeks. I think that this dude is just like a spoiled brat. His dad's actually a billionaire, um, and so he's a trust fund kid. I think he's just a spoiled, spoiled brat who thinks he knows more than any, everyone else. Even when the press grills him on this, he's like, he has this air of like, I know more than you. I know my players. Okay, well, play your good players then, if you know them. Yeah, Kyle Pitts is, is he's an incredible talent at tight end. You draft him fourth overall, like you said, and he's just out there running routes. That's what he does. Like, they don't throw him the ball. He just runs routes, runs routes, doesn't get the ball at all, which is crazy. He, he's, he's a freak athlete. I have just one more thing. Um, so... I have some stats for you guys. This is the surprisingly good award. I want you to guess who this player is. Um, it's a quarterback. 66% completion percentage, 16 touchdowns, four interceptions, and a 102 passer rating, which is fifth in the league. Uh, Dak. Take Dak, a guess. Dak, okay. Dak? Naveen, who do you think that is? Pretty solid stats. Sorry, can you repeat those? I'm sorry. Yeah, 102 passer rating, 16 touchdowns, four interceptions. Give me the player. Four interceptions? Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, I, I have no clue. I mean, it, maybe it's maybe it's like someone like Cousins or something. I don't know. It is Russell Wilson. Oh. As much as we hate on the, the Broncos, he actually is having a good season. Like 102 passer rating, fifth in the league. I mean – I guess we give love to Sean Payton. I know the Broncos aren't good, but just a little love for him for kind of having a solid, solid year after his career was in the tank last year. 
Yeah, it it really was. Uh, that's that's crazy. I would have never never guessed that. Okay, so that is it for midseason awards. We have a whole half more season of regular season and then playoff football to look forward to. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Have an excellent evening. Take care, guys. All right, good night.